Hello, welcome podcast to episode two of Professional Coaches and Personal Friends with me, Warren, and my own coach and personal friend, Stephen. Um, I've known Stephen now for over 10 years and we've covered a lot of ground. Um, he's had a big impact on me in my life. I wouldn't say he's saved my life necessarily, but he has improved it in hundreds of different ways. And the idea of this podcast is we talk pretty regularly and maybe it would be a good thing to share some of the topics we talk about. I think he's a very wise and he's very generous and how he thinks about problems I always find is encouraging and, and motivating and invigorating sometimes. So it is genuine conversation sometimes and you'll see this. So the editing is sometimes a little blunt and sometimes it means some topics start without too much introduction. And you're going to see that today in the two segments that we've got. I try to take out some of the chatty stuff um, and leave sort of the good meat in that he brings to the topics. So I hope that works. Anyway, in this chat, Stephen discusses the importance of authenticity and compassion for your customers and for your employees. Not everyone, really. The important message that this crisis isn't a marketing opportunity. It's not a way of trying to piggyback your products or services onto this. It's an opportunity to show that you really care. And one nice note that Stephen was saying that this is maybe some of his customers didn't realize how much he actually did care. And now you're able to demonstrate this in a really important way. Um, in the second half, we talk about remote working. This all came out of another conversation. So again, apologies for the rushed intro that you're here. Um, one key point that we were talking about was that so many people are now saying that's it for remote working. You know, we're never going to work in offices again or, um, you know, how, how will offices look in the future? And one key point I took away from the conversation was that remote working shouldn't be a preferred outcome. Instead, we need to focus on what is going to be important in the future and is remote working able to support that? Um, it's a good balance. Overall, I think all of our conversations are discussing, you know, what we're going to do when work lives get back to normal, whatever that is. Are we ready for what's coming post-pandemic or are we asleep at the wheel, to use one of the phrases that came out today? Um, I'll pop by about halfway through to try and smooth the editing from one topic to another. Um, piece of admin, we've got a new email address, podcast at coachpro.online. Uh, podcast, obviously, at coachpro, one word, dot online. Um, send any thoughts, comments, or questions, and we'll get to them as soon as we can. Anyway, without further ado, I hope you enjoy this section on authenticity and compassion during these difficult times. Talk to you later. Leading through uncertain times is what you do is you create some certainty. You know, you look at uncertainty as being the last 4%. So you look at the first 96% of the things you are certain of. And one of the things I was certain of is the closer I am to people, then the more chance I'm going to have of having something at the other side of this. Because if yeah. I'm not close to my clients, if I'm not close to people, 
then I'm going to be turning up at their door after this has all happened and saying, remember me. Yeah. You know, and people will remember what you did and they'll remember what you didn't do. And if you weren't shoulder to shoulder with them, if you weren't showing that you care, because yeah. you know for in the majority of those conversations, there's no business to be had. You're there genuinely because you care and to see if you can offer any help or support or even just a connection. You know, um, these are the times to be doing that. You know, my, my paid work dropped down by about 40% within about two weeks. My unpaid yeah. work went up by over 350%. And that's yeah. probably the right ratio. Yeah. Because that was the time to go out and say, I genuinely care. You're not selling. You're just showing that you care. And if I can help, let me help. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and, and the big goal, and the survival goal was to have a business on the other side of this. And six hours into this, that would have been amazing. Yeah. It, it actually felt a little bit radical and ridiculous. Certainly it was meaningful. And, you know, time bound, you know, the, the sooner I can sort of protect my business, the better. But this was about making sure that um, to do that, I needed to set some goals and not just speak to as many people as I could, but actually set a goal. Yeah. Because if I was just speaking to as many people as I could, I would have, you know, floated over the same email addresses that I've been doing for 12 yeah. years with some people. But you set a goal, you're going you're gonna to sort of go over your pride and you're going to say, no, I'm going to reach out. And it's, it's been fantastic um, to be able to connect to that amount of people. But that's what the goal is. I'm assuming, you know, don't mean to be rude, but what you've learned in those two months, because you've spoken to an incredible spectrum of people. I mean, that's just never, you would never, one, a lot of these people wouldn't have been there to talk to until you wouldn't have had the time and space to done it. But now you know so much more about so you've spoken to more people than, than anyone else I know. Yeah, and, and they know and they know that I care. Yeah, and they know that it matters. Yes, and I, I, some of these people I've been working with for ten or fifteen years, and I did. I don't know if they knew before this how much I cared. Yes, and you know the and, and look on the other side of this. I mean, this isn't an altruistic thing, and I'm not in a a privileged enough position to be saying, I don't, you know, there is no sort of business element to this. That of oh, course cool. there is. But um, this is authentic. This is authentic. Uh, yeah, because there's the, the, the ones who are genuine, and I've got some clients who I got a hold of very quickly who were saying, well, we need to be ready to reconnect with our clients once this all switches back on. I think, you know, oh, it's way too late. You know, yes. your clients are going to go to the people who were there with them throughout all this. Yes. That's the first tranche of people. And if there's an overflow of work, they will then go back to the people they dealt with before. And then if there's anything left, they might then start having new conversations. But that could take 6, 12, 18, 24 months to get to that third group of relationships. Yeah. So, you know, you really want to make sure that your clients and everybody know that you care. And the best thing you can do is give them some time. Equally, and what I've been doing with this is to make sure you're making some kind of offer of something. Whether people take you up on that offer or not doesn't really matter. What matters is that you cared enough to make an offer. And an offer of something for nothing. People, yeah, your employees remember what you did and what you didn't do. Your customers are going to remember what you did and what you didn't do. I mean, 
that's it, isn't it? Yeah. There's going to be companies which are going to just fall out of this then. Just, they're going to do badly out of this at the end. They'll come out of this badly. Well, well, there's people who've been, who have been asleep at the wheel, you know, which isn't going to go down well. And there's also people who, there's a little bit of people being opportunistic and I'm, I'm a little bit wary about going there with too many people in that what can appear opportunistic can have very genuine and authentic uh, intent behind it, but it just yeah. doesn't look good. Um, and that that was a difficult thing for me to begin with, was how do I make sure that this isn't assumed as being opportunistic or you're just doing this because you think you should have to. Yes. And therefore it was about how do I make it clear I'm doing this because I really want to. Um, and, and, and there is a bit of exposure involved in that because we don't normally spend too much time in business relationships saying, I'm working with you because I really want to. Because there's yeah. the, well, you're getting paid, aren't you? Yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. the majority of this, you're, you're, you're not getting paid. So this is a genuine way of demonstrating, yeah. you know you're not going to pay me, I know I'm not going to get paid, but I still want to do it. But on the other side, yeah, I mean, we want to get back to the, a viable long-term relationship. Yeah. But I I believe there's some relationships over this period of time that over the next 10, 15, 20 years, you will trade off of those relationships. Yeah. And if you don't build those relationships during this time, you might suffer for the next 10, 15, 20 years. Because if you don't care now, well, when are you going to care? You're right. And look, there's, there's three, three levels, and I've taken a lot of clients through this at the beginning. Um, there's, there's, there's the level of being nice, then there's a level of being kind, then there's a, a level of being compassionate, you know? And when you do a nice thing, you're doing it so that you feel better because you've done something that's nice. And reaching out to as many people initially was a nice thing, and I, I've, I, and I felt better. I felt more connected. I felt less panicky. I felt more reassured. I felt kind of um, respected and you know loved and appreciated, which is great. The level above that was being kind, and that was not just contacting people so that you felt, but that I felt better. It was a kindness of wanting them to feel better. So by being able to share other conversations, what other people were doing, because still the most common question I get after all these calls is. What's everybody else doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we don't have those, we're, we're within a screen in, in your home, you know, or you're in a very restricted environment. And so you really want to know where they fit within things. Am I doing all the right things? So it was a kindness then to be sharing that because I wanted them to feel better about their situation. But mm -hmm. compassion is bigger than that. Compassion is about offering something to help eradicate suffering. And it's particularly when, and the most valuable piece is when you know the suffering that's coming. You know, so, and I've been seeing it, a lot of people, you know, very difficult to build the boat if you're already in the water. You know, and if you can see that people, are, their feet are starting to get wet and you can help them build a boat now, not wait till they're, they're in the water, then this is the time to be helping them doing that. And that's showing compassion. And, and, and the offer of doing things, um, 
without immediate reward is compassion. If it's offering something that's going to help alleviate, eradicate their suffering, not just something that you build them for later. You know, it's uh, you know that that that's just a transaction. Genuine compassion is something you're going to need to hear this, or you're going to need to start looking at this, or you're going to need to start asking this. That's where the genuine compassion is, and I believe at this time that has been more genuinely understood, appreciated, and accepted. Yeah. I've tried to do really nice and compassionate things before, and it hasn't always been trusted because you're kind of in among everybody else and people dress things up as, as such. At the moment, it's absolutely clear and people are more open to saying, I appreciate that because they genuinely do because it's more personalised. I think that's the starting. I think that's the big one for me. Right. Hope you enjoyed that. All got something out of it. Did you think a little about authenticity and being real during this time? In the next bit, we're talking about remote working. As I said in the intro, there's a lot of talk about the importance of remote working. I think the important note to get out of this is be clear about what you want to achieve. And does remote working help to support that? How you enjoy it? And that's what, and what I was saying was just relax. You know, you can't see properly yet. You know, this energy you got, and we will never go back to a physical office. We will never go back to a physical office. We are always going to work like this. I'm like, maybe. Maybe. Now is not the time to make that decision, but maybe. There is going to be a huge number of important lessons. Absolutely. But maybe you will want a, a physical office in the future. Maybe. I don't know. But now isn't the time to make that decision. I just don't think anyone's in the right place, are they, to, to, to make a, a, a kind of crazy decision like that. No thing. There's, there's a pendulum swing, you know, yeah. and it's not yeah. scorching, you know, and, and we're nowhere near, but, but I, I'm not even sure we're halfway through. You know, um, this pendulum swing of things of, I don't want to do this. I'm really enjoying this. This is great. Exactly. And everything. Exactly. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm, you know and there's inconvenience with it. But overall, it's pretty good. And, and it will rest somewhere. And it will be different for different people. You know, yeah. it's more important. If, if I have secured my business in the next 12 to 18 months, and if I'm number one in my market, it won't really matter whether I'm working from an office or working from home. But if I get so fixated on whether I'm working from an office or working from home, then I'm going to end up just being at home because I won't necessarily have a business. It's a kind of distraction and we're asking the wrong question. The question is, how do we improve the service? How do we improve the relationships with our audience, with our clients, with our customers? That's the big question. How do we become fit for purpose? and help lead them to accelerate towards where we were always headed, but it's just an acceleration of 10 years. How do we do that? Those are the big questions. Whether you've got office technology, remote, virtual, or whatever, um, those are negotiable. Those, those are process. The result is, where do you really want to be? And I think, I mean, that makes total sense. But the whole idea of employee culture, company culture, 
I mean, if there is a way to replicate it, fantastic. And that there are, you know, companies which which successfully build all only remotely. But you do see there are these companies which build these bastion, you know, these huge skyscrapers full of their employees for a reason. You know, employees it is something, is something. I mean, so you don't need to go every day. Yeah, I'm relaxed about that. And we, you know, three days, two days, whatever. And certain people are going to want to go five days a week, and certain people aren't. That's also going to be fine. But that beacon of this is a company which has a tower, which has office space, it'll actually even become even a premium. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, you've got an office. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, my company's got an office. It's all until eventually it's one of those things that everyone else has to do, isn't it? It's like, you know, Amazon building shops now, because they can. You know, Apple got these huge stores. Why? Because they can. It's a statement, isn't it? So it's going to be eventually, oh, yeah, we've got an office. You work from home. Oh, oh, good for you. We've got an office. And I think the commute, when with self-driving cars and all that happening, the commute's just going to be an extension of your office, isn't it? You're going to just sit there, sit in a car, be delivered to a physical space, but you'll be working in a physical space. You won't be driving. You know, it'll be driving for you. So I, I, and also some of these companies which are succeeding really well is because they have built up a really important company culture by being offline, which can survive being online. But if you had to start from scratch with an online culture, I think that would be a difficult one. But I'm not saying it won't be happen. I just, this whole idea, I don't know why I ever had an office in the first place. I just think, well, as you say, it's a pendulum swing. Maybe. Go to retail. And, you know, for years I've been saying, you know, bricks and clicks, it's a combination, yeah. you know. And what is the purpose of a store? What is the purpose of having a retail outlet? You know, um, because it's different to it was 20 years ago. Yeah. I, I think that's where we're going to end up going to is what is the purpose of having, rather than is it right or is it wrong? Well, what's its purpose? Yeah. And its purpose may have evolved. There are certain aspects of your role that can be like shopping online. Yeah. But there's other aspects where you're maybe looking for inspiration or you're looking for the experience or exactly. you're looking to place. The employee and, and, experience, yeah, exactly. What is, but is that, do you do a once in a quarter big strategy meeting and getting, you know, some stars and razzmatazz and that's it? Or is it the constant day-to-day? So somebody, so a nice analogy someone used, he's sort of saying is, is like weekend dads. When they say the kids that they make, there's more of an effort, there's more stuff planned and they make sure that this is a fantastic weekend. And I was like, yeah, but don't underestimate that day-to-day being. And sometimes it's just being and, and that transference of culture and values and, and ways of you are to somebody in those quiet, boring, dull moments, isn't it? You know, so, and I just think that transferring that, that uh, an idea of a company culture, a way of being, resilience, vision, the constant reinterpretation and repeating of vision and, you know, you're just not going to have that in a home environment. Or the best relationship you have with anything or anyone um, is twenty percent formal, eighty percent informal. Yes. If you don't put the effort into the informal, yes. it doesn't happen by itself. Yes. But you know, there's a, a lot of overly formalized relationships. 
you know, and, and what we've had, what we've done with this transformation and acceleration to be working, the ability to work remotely for those of us who can do it, yeah. it's all been focused on the formal aspect. Can you deliver the formal staff? You know, and, and companies have been amazed at the so-called productivity increases of older people. They've managed to do all the things that were formally requested to do. Yeah. That's because they don't have the informal stuff to do. You know, and it's how do we then get that right combination of still having the formal and the informal? So is it productivity wins then because I'm not doing informal stuff, but again, without that informal stuff, eventually I'm going to drop off? Eventually. See, the, and, that, and this, is the, this is the lag and then the thud that we're going to have is the, the fatigue comes in. Yeah. You know, the informal stuff gives you energy and the formal yeah. stuff kind of then, you, you expend that energy into the formal stuff. Well, we're, we're not yet in that position where we're running dry in the informal, but once we do, then where does the energy come from to get into the formal stuff? You know, I... Well, I only go into the Apple store on Princess Street when I, when I genuinely want to buy something or do I want to go in and browse? And browsing is an informal activity. Buying is the formal aspect. But going online is just formal. This is what I want and this is how I get it. Yeah. And I want it over and done with. It's a transaction. And this is why, so to go back to the retail, so like you see like the, these Louis Vuitton and all of these, when they do these huge corner places still in Paris and they're spending millions and millions and millions on it, it's not about go and browse, go and be a customer, feel how it is to be a customer to us. And this is a whole shopping experience, isn't it? Yeah, and it's part of a day and it's part of an overall thing. Um, it's not just a, an end in itself, yeah. you know, and it's it's something to then talk about and share and 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 you bring it to life and it becomes something real as opposed to just a, a mucky transaction on the internet, you yeah. know. It's um, but I, I, And I do think there's a possibility that when you're talking about the large offices with the big skyscrapers and all that, you know, that's going to be a sort of big shop front. You know, that's a status thing. It's yeah. a... This is why you should do business with it, exactly. because you know, and and that's what they've been for decades. Yeah, I agree. How we have that in future is going to be, but it's not really then to house employees. So I do think for the most creative and innovative, there's going to be an awful lot of uh, floor space to be able to say, well, what could we do with this? My concern is they just get short of it, you know, and try and find someone else who's willing to share that space but i think the innovative ones the creative ones probably the ones who are tied into longer leases and uh, will have to find a more creative way of using that space and not having it three quarters empty four days a week we get i mean just like you just said imagine if this was a place where your customers could go to work so I remember when we were doing offices for Monster, we went to like Microsoft and Google and all these places, and, and they were amazing. Being, a, you know, is, is, is that almost part of a model? Like instead of like going to a WeWork, because you're a customer, you know, of course you can come and work in, in our place next to good people, next to your, next to your team, next to, you know, your people. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's just, I mean, I'm just too old, but I just, but there is something about going into an office and 
feeling that you know especially like you go to a sales floor and you feel the sales floor you feel the energy you know whether it's a monday morning or a friday afternoon you know if it's the beginning of the month or the end of the month you know you know whether you're we're having a good day or a bad day and if everyone else around you is having a good day and you're in a bad mood by the end of it you're in a great mood i'm just not going to get that oh as a sales guy you know i'm just not going to and, and, and that's why the the function and benefit of this is going to be more clearly defined. And I think there's a lot of people, Warren, who, and I, and I speak to some of them who appreciate so much more the office environment that they used to criticise and complain about. Yeah, exactly. And also others who've never really had that big sales floor type experience who are now saying that would be amazing. Yeah. Because they've now experienced what it's like without that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's not that you can say, well, I'm going in on Tuesday, I hope everybody else is in on Tuesday, and you go in on Tuesday and everybody else is not. Yeah. And then you yeah. I'd rather be at home. And, and and this is the thing. I mean, I've got clients who are now doing the how do we go back, and most of them are doing this team A and team B thing where they put, uh, particularly in IT and stuff, they're putting a team in for two weeks. And then that team comes out and the other team goes in for two. So they've built two mirror teams. So they've built two squads and, you know, the team team A goes in for the two weeks and the other team work from home and then they switch over with a deep clean in between. I, I just think there will be more options going forward rather than less options. I think when people are saying, oh, it's the end of this and the end of that. That's well, good- I, I think some of these things are going to take on a, a new fresh value. I think the value of a phone call has, t- has increased significantly because of Zoom and because of Teams. I think the informal aspect, a phone call is now more of an informal thing because we don't have to care what we look like. So it's more of an informal thing than it was before. And I think there's a there'll be a newfound value in being able to sit back and close your eyes and talk on the phone that you can't do on, on Zoom. Um, so I, th- I think there's going to be newfound ways of saying we've got options. And I do think this is where, from a sales perspective, this is going to be really interesting in the client relationships because I couldn't have done this six months ago on my own. I couldn't have said to all my clients, I'm not traveling anymore. I'm just going to do this on yeah. Zoom. See you on Monday. You know, um, they would have been saying, well, we're looking for someone who's willing to come into our office, actually. But we've all been forced there. But I know going on the outside of this, this is going to be, do we really connect? You know, where it it was the, and I've been doing this for long enough to know that the colour of shirt and tie and colour of suit that you wore was, uh, where am I today? This matters. And then it didn't matter so much. And then it was, well, do I wear a tie? And particularly if you're going to a tech company or IT company, unless you're, and so you wore a lilac shirt because that was the, you know, that, that was the kind of thing that IT and tech brought was lilac shirts and ties. So you would choose whether to use a tie or not. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then it became, do I wear a suit or not? Then it's, well, do I get, get away with jeans or not? And then it's, well, should I wear training shoes or running shoes? Because, yeah. and, and this was all to, to say, do I, can I show as an outsider that I fit? Well, add on to that the complexity of do I do it on Zoom, do I do it on Teams? There's already a kind of snobbery about um, 
you know, what platform you're actually using um, and how up-to-date, how cool it is and, and all that. So there's going to be all that. There's going to be the do I do this face-to-face on the phone or, you know, do I do it using these platforms? There's going to be a whole load of ways that if you're smart, you can differentiate yourself from everybody else by understanding what that client would prefer mm-hmm. you to do rather than that hierarchy of if you really want the business, you'll fly to Frankfurt and have the meeting. Because most people don't want to fly to Frankfurt. But then they're also... Not to. But, but as part of this as well, though, there will be this hierarchy still. There, It will be, if I'm a really valuable customer to you, or a valuable prospect is more often than not, you will fly. Because I know that there, because there are these 10 other options, and just like you said, you know, there are those meetings where you purposely overdress to let them know how you, know, you you're not regarding this as a, as a run in the mill. But I think but that's it. But it's going to be the more options. And people are going to be more open to more options. They're not necessarily going to say that a Zoom call is a sign of disrespect. It is just a different way. Uh, there will always be that group of people who just say, if you ain't coming to see me face-to-face, then you're not going to get my business. Fine. But the, less is, the more choices puts more power in the hand of the customer. Just like procurement did. You know, um, the more variables they are, the more this is the customer saying, if the fit's right, this is what I want you to be doing. And for some of them, some customers are going to say, "Do not fly. Do not. I, I, you know, even if you're in, even if you're two streets away, I want to do this on Zoom, because I've got something right before and something right after. Yeah. I really don't want to have to deal with the pleasantries of coming and meeting in reception and taking up sixteen floors. And I've got an office space. Or yeah. my virtual my virtual wallpaper makes it look like I'm in this amazing skyscraper. I really don't want you to see that I'm in the cellar three floors down. Yeah, exactly. This is it. It's, I mean, we're, we don't have any answers, um, but it's important, therefore, we're asking the right questions and keeping it open to how it might be. Yeah. Because then we're ready to respond. Then we're, because it's how, how quickly we adapt and respond to all this. Rather than how much do we, no point in predicting and standing still, you know. And if your goal is big enough, if you really want to own something and you set that as the goal, whether it's a market or a client or a city or whatever, you're going to own it, own your space, then that's a big enough goal for you to be saying, right, uh, so I need to be aware of what's going on and be up for doing what it takes. I didn't want to be doing these seven weeks ago. Yeah, and then you're right. And then whether you're remote working, got a fantastic office space or not, that's a function. And is it going to move me closer to where where I, I need to be? And sometimes having an office space, as you said, even if it's reconfigured, you know, I can think, you know, that whole idea of we have a physical space and this is now a competitive advantage for us because because customers like to meet here, because it's easy for this, because we can develop a whole offline customer experience, because we can do demos. Whatever whatever it is, you know, there will be reasons why you can turn anything into you know, a, a competitive advantage, isn't it? Same way that these remote working companies are now being lauded and hailed as innovators. You know, before it was just seen as a cheap way of doing business. Now they're seen as the smartest people in the planet. Yeah. And, and look, I, I saw the chairwoman of um, 
IBM last week and they had their global conference last Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was Wednesday. And they normally have 30,000 people congregating at their global conference. But because of restrictions on travel, they had 110,000 people at the global conference. Online, though? All online. Yeah, I mean, imagine that. If no one's on mute. Two days. If no one's on mute, though, what happens then? You know, this, this um, is, you know and, and that is that gives you a big audience but it costs you in a whole load of other ways and this is what you know we will need to find out and work out by gaining in some areas what's the price on others and you try and get it's not that one's good and one's bad it's making sure you're making the right choices for the purpose that you're wanting to achieve but I mean you know I mean you've done loads of conferences I've done a couple I mean it's the what happens outside of the conference room. That's the fun thing, conferences. It's the we... informal. It's 80% of the value is the informal stuff. The 20% you can do to 110,000 people. 